Welcome to JAG Talk, a podcast series featuring Navy JAG community experts. Listen to in-depth discussions about different legal fields and hear insights and lessons learned from practitioners across our enterprise. Chapter 23, Legalman Conversations, Career Development and Milestones. Welcome to our podcast, Career Development and Milestones. I'm LNC Sarah Kelly Austin, the Chief of the Trial Paralegal Program for TCAP. I'm joined today by Master Chief Legalman Terry Prim and Master Chief Legalman Kiara White. He is the senior enlisted leader for DSO Southeast, and she is the senior enlisted leader for RealSo Japan. Thank you for taking part in our podcast. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right. So we have a couple questions here. The first one's going to be, what do you expect um, of junior legalmen? One of the things that I expect from the junior legalmen is to be engaged and involved and active within their command and their community and to um, sort of display some organizational loyalty. Uh, I expect them to continue to learn, to have the right attitude. Um, I always tell my sailors five rules, right place, right time, right uniform, right attitude, do the right thing. And if you do those things, everything else will come uh, as you grow into your position. Okay. You know, I try to talk to our junior legal men about learning their craft. You know, I think they focus on, oh, I got to advance, I got to do this, I got to do this and that, but don't take the opportunity to actually learn exactly what we do as paralegals, um, especially coming into our community, such being so brand new. So I always try to talk to them about the first, like as soon as they come in, the end call is take time to learn your craft, because if you do, then you're unstoppable. Great. Um, That would bring us to our next question. Uh, what do LNs need to do in order to compete for selection? Uh, to be blunt, everything they can. Uh, the more you do, the more the more skill sets that you bring to the table, the more valuable you are for the chief's mess, and it makes you more competitive for selection. So, you know, when they're looking at your record and they're they're grading it over a period of time, you have to make sure that you're hitting all the wickets. You're graded on several different things um, when you go in front of the selection board, and you don't want to have any zeros in any of those columns. So you got to do everything you can. Now, that doesn't mean you have to do everything every year. You can break it up year by year, but always be switching out your collateral duties. Always uh, become more and more of a subject matter expertise. Always be involved in your... um, your peer group involvements and spread that stuff out over the period of time. And the, the more that you do and the better you are at it, the more competitive you'll be because you'll, you'll be more valuable to uh, as an addition to the Chiefs Mess. Okay. Yeah. You know, um, I think uh, for us um, in our community, um, being competitive starts as soon as you enter, which is, you know, um, you know, a lot of standards, you know, high standards in our community. So, uh, you know, sometimes we meet sailors that wait till they make E6 or, you know, wait till, you know, they're more senior in E6 and decide, hey, okay, now I'm going to start performing. Um, in our community, you just, you're not able to do that. So it starts from the very beginning. Um, mentorship is extremely crucial. Um, 
when you're trying to, you know, be competitive to select an hour rate because it's just not easy to select. We select the best of the best. Um, so there, you always have to be pushing. Awesome. And then with um, sort of one of my philosophies is, is to be competitive is I've sort of designed this uh, career stool, if you will. It's sort of a bar stool. And uh, if you envision the top of this bar stool to be your career, then what are the things that you need to do in order to have a sturdy, stable, balanced career? And that gives you the four legs of the stool, one of them being subject matter expert, and you become the, you know, the best in your rate that you can possibly be. You do that through schooling, constant education, on-the-job training, and experience, quite frankly. Um, so that's one leg. And then the other leg is how big is your impact? You know, is your impact just your office? Is it the command? Is it the base? Is it the Navy? How big is your impact? So that's the, you know, sort of the collateral duty leg of the thing. The other one is education. You know, always grow your mind and become more intellectual so that you can, um, you know, apply creative thought to anything that you're doing in the rating. Um, so that being the third leg. And then the fourth leg being, you know, volunteering in the community and, and uh, showing leadership outside the, you know, outside the Navy. Um, and then all those things are sort of connected on the foot pegs, if you will, of with with leadership. And so if you sort of envision your career as that sort of bar stool and your career being the seat of that, and if you're missing any of those things, your stool's not going to be as sturdy. It's not going to be as balanced. And, you know, if you only have one of those legs, it's just, it's going to fall over, you know. All right, sounds good. We're going to um, include the stool on the SharePoint with this podcast so everyone would be able to not see everything on the stool. <laughs> <laughs> as far as uh, advancement also, uh, secondary to that would also cl- clearly be uh, our next question. How do I write an effective evaluation? Um, firstly, you got to cut the fat, right? When, when the selection board member is sitting at the board and they're grading your record, they're reading literally thousands of, and thousands of words in a four to six week time frame. And you want to trim the fat. If it gets too wordy, it becomes burdensome. You want to make it as easy as possible to the person writing the exam. Take out you know, so often I see Ellen one so-and-so did a great job as take the name out. We know who it is that your name's at the top of the eval. Take it out of the write-up. Get rid of the he's and she's. Take the volunteering portion that you're typing in the write-up and put it in the block it's supposed to be in. They have that education, qualification, you know, community involvement block. Put it in there. Don't waste the white space. Um putting that in there. Same with the education and your quals. Put it down in the, in the appropriate block. Um, put acronyms in there. Don't be afraid of acronyms. There's always legal and representation on the board and they can explain what those acronyms are. Um, and don't get too wordy. You know, limit your, you know, your adjectives. Get to the point. Spell out numbers. Although writing out the number two as TWO is grammatically correct, it doesn't pop off the page and that data may get overlooked when they're when they're skimming your record and uh, attempting to grade it. So short to the point, cause and effect, what did you do, how many did you do it for, and how many of those were successful as a result of your leadership. Uh, but trim the fat and, be, and, and 
give as much data as you can. You know, and, and for me, it's more um, the brag sheet. I think we've gotten so far away from the brag sheet. And, you know, sailors, they wait until the last minute at times to do that evaluation, and then they don't have a really, you know, a brag sheet that have a lot of great information. So, you know, we always try to tell sailors to keep a running brag sheet. You know, keep it in one of your personal folders and just keep going to it and adding to it. That way, midterm counseling, you already have your first six months pretty much done, and you only have, you know, the next six months. Um, and then pulling the precepts. I mean, we it's so transparent. The boards are trans, so much transparency with these boards now. So you pull the precepts, your brag sheet, and that's like your foundation to start writing that evaluation. And I agree with my chief prem. Like, there's so many records at the board. You just don't have a lot of time. So to the point and very concise cause and effect and that's going to be a great eval and send it to people let them look at it especially those that are experienced in writing evaluations i mean it takes a village you know i really really believe that but brag sheet is the foundation of starting to write a really good evaluation thanks i agree all right thank you master chief uh next question would be u.s maps uh and paralegal certifications what is it why should I do it? Uh, which one should I do? Oh, wow. Um, I'm a fan of the US MAP program. Uh, it's an apprenticeship-based program, and it helps you while you're in the military, but it also helps you when you're out of the military. Um, you actually can put it on your resume. Um, for our paralegals coming in, you know, we always try to tell them to start with the legal assisting. That's kind of like the basics. Um, that's the basic U.S. MAP program, and then there's a paralegal one that you will take after you're done with the uh, legal assi legal assisting. Um, and it, I think it's like so easy to do because it's you, what you're doing in your everyday job anyway. Like for people not to get it, it's just a, like why not? Because it is a part of your everyday work. Um, NFPA and NALA, those certifications, Navy Cool pays. They pay for it. Like, you can go through Navy Cool, and Navy Cool will pay for that certification. Like, how cool is that? It doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> right. uh, so I feel like every paralegal should do it because there's no reason that you can't. Like, we have so many resources available. And you do it during your work day, and the person that signs sits right, probably right next to you. So I feel like every paralegal should do it. And at a board, it actually counts. Um, it's counted at a board. When you're up for E6, I mean E7, when you're up for chief, the board looks at it. U.S. MAP completion counts. Paralegal certifications, they both count. So it's a win-win all the way around. Great. The legal men in our, community are, in our community are so competitive that it's hard to break out amongst your peers. Everybody has degrees. Everybody's volunteering. Everybody's got the collateral duties. So what do you need to do in order to break yourself out, sort of tiebreakers at the selection board? Uh, the NFPA, NAL, and U.S. MAPS are a great way to help your record stand out amongst your peers. The other thing is with the NFPA and the, and the NALA, uh, those are good networking tools, too. The people that you meet there that you can kind of lean on and get advice and, and uh, solicit growth uh, is beneficial as well. So I, I, think it, I think it's a bad idea not to pursue them. Okay. Thank you, Master Chief. Uh, what are your personal expectations for LNs as they move up in the rank? I expect them to continue to grow, to always look to learn, to be part of the team, to take an interest in the community, be part of the growth of the community, be the change for the future. 
Um, too often you see the senior leadership sort of directing directing um, sort of the route we're going to take in the JAG Corps and Legalman community. And, you know, our time, our time in the Navy is limited. You know, everyone's time in the Navy is limited, but especially the folks that are approaching retirement. Um, we're not necessarily the right people to shape the future. The ones who are going to be part of the future should take an active role in shaping the future. I mean, for me, I'm, I think the LN2 up to LNC, I think that those expect, expectations are pretty easy. I think when we get the LN3, they're so young, um, but they want to they wanna do things and act as if they're an LN1 and they're just not there yet. And that, at the LN3 level, it is so important for them to learn their jobs. Like, they want to do all these other great, amazing things. And that it'll come. Um, I think, as she said it earlier, it comes sometimes with experience. Like, after you experience being in your rank of an E4 and LN3, um, then you, you know, you move on. I think sometimes they come in and they see all these great things all of these other sailors are doing is doing in the upper ranks, and they want to do that. I, it's just so important for them to take the time to learn their craft. Just learn it. And also, when you're in LN3 and LN2 and an LN1, your your focus is or should be, you know, getting better at your job, becoming that subject matter expertise, and then doing everything you can to compete. Once you make chief, that focus needs to shift. Um, when you're trying to make chief, it's about what do I got to do? What do I need to do? What have I done? What's missing? You know, it's all about you. When you're a chief, it shouldn't be about you at all. You have to get those qualifications because you need them for promotion. Um, so you still have to do the things that you need to do to promote. But the when you're doing your eval as a chief, it needs to be what what have you led and what has your leadership accomplished um, what is your what are your sailors' successes as a result of your leadership? Um, you know because you're responsible at that point to lead your sailors to get them to where you are so that they can train their reliefs. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually pretty excited about the new Sailor 360 program because I think it's going to help with that because you know we do training, you know legalman training, and they, we do sailorization training. But I think they're going to actually see it with the scenarios and stuff that some of the commands have planned for, you know, the Sailor 360 program. So they'll see, you know, what am I supposed to be doing at this level? Not just as an LN3, but just as an E4 in the Navy. <laughs> and then what do I do at this level? And what do I do at this level? So I think that that program, I'm great program, I'm McBon. You know, it's going to be. I think that's going to help out so much with that. Okay. Uh, the next question would be, is LPEP completion required to make chief? Yes. LPEP's required to be a legalman. <laughs> Therefore, any legalman rank, it's required, in my opinion. Yeah, and I mean, this is just such a great deal. Like, I think this is our selling point for recruiting, too, because it's just such a great deal. Like, you don't have com uh, communities that actually pay for you to go to school. Your books are free, and we give you time during a workday to do it. Like, you just don't get it any better than that. So, shame on sailors that do not complete LPEP. Like, they just can't be legal men. So, yeah. yes. And you save your tuition assistance for other Something. things, and you give your GI bill to your kids. Yes. And, Such and a great so deal. It, it's a, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to have been here when, when they when they started LPEP and to see it through. It's uh it's one of the better things the JAG Corps has done for the enlisted. Yeah, 
because I, I didn't. I didn't have LPEP. Um, I went through the Roger Williams program, but it wasn't through LPEP. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is like the best thing going right now. All right. Well, thank you for your time, Master Chiefs. Is there any last minute advice that you might have for any of the sailors listening right now? Uh, be positive. Have a good have a good attitude. You know, attitude. A bad attitude is poisonous. It's kind of like a flat flat tire. If you don't change it, you're not going anywhere. And keep pressing. Like, do not let your foot off the pedal. Um, we are a very super competitive rate, so you got to keep pushing. Keep pushing. Thank you. You have been listening to JAG Talk, a podcast series featuring Navy JAG community experts. Visit jag.navy.mil for additional chapters of this podcast series. Thank you for tuning in.